Welcome to the Root Cause Revolution podcast with functional and integrative nurse nutritionist and energy medicine practitioner, Audrey Christie. Hey friends, welcome to episode 229 and it's Friday, so you know that means it's an Ask Audrey episode. If you have questions, please submit them to audreychristie.com forward slash questions, um, or you can submit them really any other way. I get them on social media, but questions is the very best place to submit them to make sure that you get in uh, line so they can be answered on our Friday Ask Audrey episode. So we have three questions today, um, and as I get better at being brief and direct and answering them, we might do more like five or six questions or better. Um, but for now, based on what you guys have told me, like 20-minute-ish episodes are best for you or less. So I want to make sure that I keep this quick and digestible so that we can um, really get through this. So let's start with the first question. The first question is from Brenda. And by the way, you can put anonymous on there. That's a-okay with me. But Brenda says, Dear Audrey, thanks for all the effort you put into answering our questions. I have a question for you. I have lost 45 pounds on the keto diet. However, I'm experiencing some significant hair loss. I've had my thyroid checked and it's all come back normal. What could be causing this hair loss? Brenda, thank you so much for submitting your question. And thank you for your kind words um, about me answering your questions. I've said a million times over, I absolutely love answering questions. And so this is something I never get tired of. Um, Congratulations on losing 45 pounds. That's huge. That's amazing. So it's not uncommon what you're experiencing with the ketogenic diet. Keto is good for some things, medically good for some things even. But for the vast majority of people, particularly women, we see a few things. We see hormone fallout big time. We see generally what they call subclinical thyroid issues. So it could be um, that you are having some thyroid trouble, but um, they're what conventional medicine would consider subclinical. The unfortunate part about subclinical is what that means is that you're likely not going to get a thyroid medication for that. Not that I would suggest you do that. Um, But it also means that you're still having symptoms, but nobody in the conventional realm is going to listen to you and give you, you know, any help for that. So I suggest a couple of things. Number one, we need to ease back into whole carbs. So I would start with slow carbs, things like beans, Uh, make sure you're getting plenty of vegetables. We probably need to start a good B complex vitamin. We need to do Uh, some testing on your hormone levels, perhaps, but we might be able to look at your conventional labs and see, you know, kind of where, where that thyroid range range is and what else might be going on. And generally, I recommend for people who've done keto, some sort of liver detox, because oftentimes, keto is done in a way that is very high fat and very high protein. And that leaves our drainage pathways, our liver and our kidneys, um, kind of gasping for air, you know, to to put like a strange analogy on it, but really gasping for their ability to function. Um, Oftentimes, keto diets are really high in bacon, which is, and this is just an example, which is high in nitrates uh, and high in fat and high in toxins, which really gives our liver a hard time processing. Um, And once that one spot in your drainage pathways are blocked, then you can have all of these other issues 
um, that sort of back up and, and stem from that. So that's where I would start, Brenda. Um, and I hope that helps. You can reach out to me at AudreyChristie.com. There's lots of ways to contact me there. You can always go back to AudreyChristie.com forward slash question and submit a question that way. All right, up next, this is Anonymous. So Anonymous writes in, I want to start your detox and drainage. Let's see, I want to start your detox and drainage in energy, I think you mean, and energy protocol, no worries. But I have a lot of summer trips planned. Should I wait until I have four to six weeks free to give this a go? You know what, in an ideal world, I would say yes. Wait until you have four to six weeks Uh trip-free, holiday-free, birthday-free, special event-free in order to do a detox. However, that's not how life works, right? In real life, we, there is always something. If I were to look at my calendar right now, there would not be four to six weeks in a row where there is nothing. I mean, even depending on when you're listening to this episode, the 4th of July is coming up. Uh, we just had Father's Day recently. Uh, you know, we have summer vacations and all the things coming, right? My wedding anniversary is coming up. And, and so it's best if you go ahead and jump in. I wouldn't say start day one on a day where you're on, you know, your family vacation, but it's okay if you have those events in the middle of your detox, because in real life, you're going to have to have some of these habits come over into your real life, into your real patterns. And in real life, we have to learn how to navigate our wellness habits in in the frame of, of real life. And real life has all kinds of things. It has work events and holidays and all sorts of happy and special and even, you know, sad and, and not so great events as well. And so I would really recommend jumping in and giving it a go. The beautiful thing about uh, just jumping in and grabbing the detox or grabbing the drainage and energy protocol is that you get, you you have lifetime access to that information. And so if you get in three weeks in, that is way better than nothing. So you get three weeks in, you take a week, week off for vacation, or you get three weeks in, week four is your vacation, and you just try to do a little bit better. For example, if you're going somewhere on the coast, then maybe instead of having deep fried fish every night or deep fried shrimp or whatever your your thing is, you have a, a boiled shrimp basket instead or a, a, what do they call them? A boiled shrimp bowl, <laughs> you know, where they come, and they dump all the, the boiled seafood on there. And it's got corn and potatoes, which you probably don't need to have a lot of, but it's also full of, you know, fresh boiled crab and shrimp and uh, sometimes some other little goodies in there, right? So you want to just try to shift it and make sure that you're still allowing yourself the freedom and the flexibility to have a life, but you can also do it in a way that is serving your longevity and your wellness, serving your ability to be free of these chronic disease and illness and autoimmune issues instead of continuing to put it off. Okay. So that is my answer there. All right. Now, the last question, also an anonymous question, it says, Hey, Audrey, I am drinking a ton of water every single day, just like you recommend, but it's been over a month and I'm still peeing like crazy, mostly at night. What can I do to help? Okay. Awesome. So really good job. In case you're wondering why this person is drinking a ton of water, it's because I recommend drinking 120 ounces of water a day minimum. That is if you weigh oh, 120 pounds or less. If you weigh more than 120 pounds, then I really want you drinking, I'm sorry, if you weigh 120 pounds or more, then I want you drinking 120 ounces of water a day. If you're less than 120 pounds, we might be able to shave a few ounces of that off. 
but for the most part, everyone needs to be flushing their body with water. And no, soda doesn't count, and LaCroix doesn't count, and energy drinks don't count, and coffee doesn't count. And most tea, if it has caffeine in it anyway, some herbal teas can count, but most most teas aren't really counting towards that total. So you really want to be flushing the body with lots and lots of good quality, clean, filtered water. This is not tap water and it is not bottled water. Absolutely not. I'd rather you drink tap water than bottled water. Okay. So if it's been a month and you are still peeing like crazy, you didn't tell me how much you weigh. So there could be an issue there. Uh, And there could be some kind of bigger, scarier issues that you might need to look into. If you're not having your labs run every single year, then I do recommend getting a CBC and a a complete, I should say more than the uh, abbreviation, but a complete blood count and a complete metabolic profile, along with your analysis from your primary care physician. I, I recommend them doing that because they can put that on your insurance. You're welcome to bring it to me for a functional analysis if you'd like. On top of that, I always recommend getting a uh, hair minerals and metals test, right? So we're testing your hair to see what your mineral balance is, as well as if you have any heavy metal toxicities. This might be particularly important for you because you could have a mineral imbalance. The second test I recommend is an organics at an organic acids test. And then we're, we're looking at all sorts of gut function and balance through that test as well. But in the immediate what I want you to do is look at what supplements you're taking at night, okay? Often people take supplements in the morning and at night, and I may be making an assumption here, but if you're taking supplements at night and you're peeing a lot during the night and you're doing all the right things, so you're not, you know, drinking, you're drinking your water all day long, you're not drinking your water, you know, a gallon of water after dinner and all of those things, then it could be that one of those supplements or more than one of those supplements is too much for your body. So everyone's a little bit different, right? Or a lot different. And just because the B activated B complex taking two tabs is what Sue should do, it doesn't necessarily mean it's what Jane should do because they have different needs and different deficiencies and different sufficiencies for that B vitamin to take place. A lot of times I recommend people take magnesium at night. Even magnesium can make you pee, even though it's not a diuretic or a drug that pulls water off the system or a supplement that pulls water off your system intentionally. And the reason why it does this is because a lot of these supplements, a lot of these vitamins can be excreted through urine. So if you get too much in your body, your body's doing what it's supposed to do and it goes, oh, get all that out. And it makes you have to get up and pee a whole bunch during the night. So the first thing I would do is not stop drinking water or slowing down drinking water. It's make sure you've had those tests run at least once a year. And then we also need to look at your supplements you're taking at night. Stop taking all of them, okay? For a whole week, stop taking all your nighttime supplements. And then let's add them back one by one. So if you take magnesium, add back that magnesium. If you start peeing again in the middle of the night, there's your culprit, right? So if you don't, then take your magnesium and then add back whatever else you might take at night, a kerosene or um, a glutathione or whatever it may be. And let's just use the process of elimination to get through those supplements and see which one of them might be at too high of a dosage for you at night. Okay, so I hope that's all three questions for today. I hope you found this information really helpful. If you have a question, again, submit that at AudreyChristie.com forward slash question. You can also hit me up on Instagram at Audrey underscore Christie. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And remember, I am always, always rooting for you. I will see you back 
Monday on Energy Medicine Monday, we'll talk, we'll be talking about protection for empaths. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Root Cause Revolution podcast. Be sure and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated.